My final puff before the uh, beginning. God, I love it, I have to admit. Hey, it's great to be with you. I'm Dennis Prager. Welcome to my home, my fireplace, my fire, my cigar. <laughs> I'm in a very weird mood today, and this is not good because I'm always a little... I, I often get near the edge, but I never fall off, thank God. Nevertheless, welcome... I said my name. Is that right, everybody? Yes. Okay, I won't say it again. This is my home. This is completely unrehearsed. It is a way to just get to know one another better, and especially, obviously, I'm not going to make believe you know me better, because you get to see me for this approximately 30 minutes each week. And it's very meaningful to me. This is why I do it, because we got a chance to talk about everything. And as I said, it's not scripted. I really give thought to what I would... Oh, I, I open with a subject, then I take your questions. So I was so torn on the opening subject that I actually had the four folks from PragerU uh, who are here uh, vote on it. And the vote was two in favor of one topic, and the other two were neutral. And since I had them vote... I wasn't going to have them vote and then say, I don't care about your vote. So I'll follow. I'll follow it. The, uh, let, me t let me just explain, by the way, why I'm even somewhat torn on subject matter. I like to do subjects that are what I call evergreen. That if you hear this five years from now, it'll be just as relevant. On the other hand, some things strike me that are in the news that I, I just feel... I need to address. But if you see this five years from now, it'll still be worth your while to see it. Because the, the, the specifics are specific to today. But the comments that I will offer are, are will be relevant five years from now. And that is uh, the... Is he the most famous uh, basketball player right now, LeBron James? I would think so. So he's, uh, he's the most famous and one of the greatest who ever played. Some say the greatest who ever played, but every generation says somebody is. You know, years ago they said Michael Jordan was. And before that, I don't know, did anybody say Will Chamberlain was? I don't know. But anyway, there was, uh, there's always, a, you know, a great. But he is great. He's a great basketball player. There's no question. And he's gone from Cleveland to Los Angeles. The Lakers are paying him hundreds of millions of dollars to play, which is fine with me. But I have to admit, he said something that is so untrue, that is so awfully untrue, that I lost all interest in watching him play, and I, and I live here in Los Angeles. That's, that's a pretty big statement for me to make because I don't expect any uh, athlete, a professional athlete, to, to come out with uh, pearls of wisdom. That's not what they're paid to do. I, I, I don't hold that against them. But this, the, before I say what he said that is so awful, because it's such a lie, and I hate using the L word, because that's about as bad as you can accuse somebody of doing. 
By the way, here's the killer. He doesn't even know it's a lie. So I'm not even I'm not even speaking to his character. I'm just speaking about what he said is a lie. He truly believes what he said, which is actually more frightening, and I'll explain why in a moment. But uh, the I just want to say something about Hollywood stars and athletes who speak out on, on politics 99% of the time, of course, uh, on the left. Just don't. You, you, you don't come across as terribly bright. You don't come across as terribly wise. And you, do, you don't do yourselves a favor. Uh, it, it's, it's born of arrogance. You think that because you're famous, you therefore are significant, or excuse me, we're all significant as human beings, but you think that your thoughts are significant. Your views are significant because you're famous. But there is no relationship between fame and significance. None. I have a saying that the famous are rarely significant and the significant are rarely famous. And I, and I, I stick by that. But it's an arrogance. It did not take place in previous generations. Previous generations of Hollywood stars did not think it was incumbent upon them to uh, offer their views on, on uh, politics. Just didn't. They believed that they had a role to play, and that role was to offer us a great movie or a great television series or a great play or a great musical, and that would be their contribution to society, which it is, by the way. Great acting is a contribution to society. I wish they under I don't think they believe that. I think that deep down, a lot of these Hollywood people think that what they do for a living is meaningless. And so in order to give their lives meaning, they have to offer their thoughts on politics. And uh, so it actually comes from a sense of insignificance, ironically. It's a combination of, of insignificance and arrogance. It's a bad, it's a bad combination. And the same with sports stars, that, that you play basketball or baseball or football or hockey or soccer really, really, really well does not qualify you to discuss society. It doesn't disqualify you either. I'm not saying you're disqualified. I'm just saying that it doesn't offer you a qualification. We want to watch you play the sport that God gave you this immense talent to play. Bring us joy that way. Bring us together. Don't, don't speak about uh, things that half, at least half, no matter what you say, it, half the country is going to be angry with you. Why would, why would you want to do that? Your fan base is composed of left and right. Why would you want to alienate half your fans? So what did he say? He said on CNN, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not giving you exact word for word, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing accurately, and he said that, uh, he, that the president, President Donald Trump, is, has divided the country in sports. 
or used sports to divide the country. Now, I characterize that as a lie because it is. The people who divided the country using sports were the guys who refused to stand in NFL games for the flag during the national anthem. That's where it began. Now, you might say they are right, uh, they are moral, they are courageous, they are wonderful. You could have all the positive views you want, but don't lie. They started with the using of the sports to divide, not the president. The president was responding to those who initiated the division. That he can't see that is is breathtaking. But by the way, he's not alone. No one on the left acknowledges this because they live in, in, in a make-believe world. That's why and I, I say make-believe world because he doesn't know he's lying. That's why I say it doesn't speak to his character. He thinks what he said is as obvious as two and two is four. But it's completely, not partially, completely false. If you hate the president, you still have an obligation to say what is true. You can say, I agree with uh, those guys in the NFL who wouldn't stand. I support them. I can't stand the president. And I'm, I'm angry that he attacked them for doing that. That's perfectly legitimate. But you can't make up a lie. They began with the using of sports to divide Americans, not the president. The president responded on behalf of at least half the country, which is sickened at the sight of such disrespect for what black and white and yellow died for, the, the American flag. Black veterans are as angry as a general rule at these uh, uh, black NFL players, and for that matter, whites who, who, who uh, supported them, uh, as, uh, as, as any white veteran. I'm not a veteran and I'm angry. I'm angry on behalf of, of veterans. I'm, on, I'm angry on behalf of the country. I'm angry on behalf of football. I want, there is, I said this when, as soon as it happened, sports is one of the last areas where the guy next to you may be your total opposite in politics, but you're both cheering for the Eagles, or you're both cheering for the 49ers, or you're both cheering for the Yankees, or it doesn't matter. You get my point? Why do you have to ruin everything you touch, O left? I've documented that belief of mine. Whatever they touch, they ruin. From the arts to the universities to the high schools, to religion, to the Boy Scouts, to male-female relations. I mean, it's it's a nihilistic movement, but that's that's a separate point and for another time. People go to sports to have an area of life to take them away from the daily troubles of life, to have a place where we could all cheer together for the home team, right? So these guys, remember also that there's such an audacity. They're, they're paid all this money to provide us with, with a sport. They, they use the sport to tell us what they personally think. 
but that that's that's fine off the field, but it's not fine on the field. Colin Kaepernick, the guy who started this, we there are pictures on the internet of him wearing uh, socks while playing a game, while playing in a game, and they they depict policemen as pigs. Now, what if somebody from the other side of the spectrum uh, decided to uh, depict people that are venerated uh, by the left as pigs? What if somebody had, had a picture of the last president as a pig? He, he that he was, you know, he couldn't stand the last president and put it on his socks for an NFL game or a, or a baseball game. I would be as angry, by the way, uh, just as angry. But 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 if you're on the left, you can do anything you want. And <coughs> who's going to attack you? CNN, <clears throat> the New York Times, ABC, NBC, CBS, NPR, PBS. Who's going to attack you? That's the problem. They have the entire media on their side, or virtually the entire media. The issue isn't who has the correct position. The issue is what is true. And what is true is that the NFL players started, were the ones who started using sports to divide the country, not the president. But he said it on CNN, and where he got a welcome reception, and he knew it. Wouldn't it have been nice if Don Lemon, on whose show I have appeared many times, I, I, when Don and I saw each other at uh, the last presidential, uh, I think was it the Repu- yeah was it the Republican uh, convention presidential convention, we gave each other a huge hug and we both meant it. I like Don, but Don didn't do his job. Don should have said, well, well, you know, uh, LeBron maybe. Some people might say that it was the players who started the division, not the president. Isn't that the role of people in in the media is to respectfully challenge when when truth demands it? So that that was a terrible thing that uh, he said. A, A young guy texted me and he said, you know, I am a dyed-in-the-wool, lifelong uh, basketball fan. He lives in L.A. said, I can't, uh, or he lived in L.A. and, and big, big, big Laker fan. He says, I can't, I, I can't watch it anymore after today, after or yesterday. And I don't blame him. That, that's all it does. It's just, it makes, makes people, it makes it harder to applaud for someone who said something so false. So that's my thought. Truth comes first. I have a motto. I've been on radio for 35 years. Believe me, if I weren't committed to truth, I mean fanatically committed to truth, I wouldn't have lasted that long. After a certain period of time, people would would just know this guy doesn't tell the truth. But I do tell the truth. And if I make a mistake, I correct it over and over on the air. I don't want to make uh, factual errors. And um, 
I have a motto on the show. The motto is first tell the truth, then give your opinion. See, this is so if he wanted to say, look, it's true, we're the guys, or not we, we uh, we on the left in, in the sport in sports, but he just could have said, yeah, it's true. The guys who refuse to stand for the national anthem uh, the, and the, the flag, these guys are the ones who started, but I agree with them. Okay, so you tell the truth, they started the division, and then you give your opinion. But I agree with them, that's fine. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said a word about this. In fact, I would have praised LeBron James for a commitment to truth. I wish. Oh, and then he, he then he was asked by Don Lemon. Uh, so what would you say if you if you were if you what would you say to the president if you were sitting 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 across from him? He said I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't sit across from him. I wouldn't stay in the same room or something to that effect. What kind of nonsense is that? Was he? He's been filled with so much hatred for the president, he wouldn't even sit across from him. Believe me, my anger at the previous president was pretty intense. I thought Barack Obama hurt this country. But if you'd say, "What would you say to him?" If I would say, "Be I would be honored to sit and, uh, and have dinner with him," and and I would respectfully say X, Y, or Z. <laughs> Wouldn't, I wouldn't even appear in the same room. When Jimmy Carter showed up, I, I don't like Jimmy Carter. But when Jimmy Carter came into a radio station, in which I was broadcasting, uh, he came in to, to go on the, the show following me. I got up and stood up and shook his hand and said, how do you do, Mr. President? And he wasn't even president anymore. But that's the way my parents raised me. You, you respect authority legitimate authority. Now, of course, they don't believe, the left doesn't even believe that the president is a legitimate authority. This is astonishing that they, they contest the last election. That's what I said, they live in a make-believe world. But that's for another time. I can give you example after example for the next 52 fireside chats. But let's just try to think clearly The people who started using sports to divide was not the president of the United States. He responded to the people who used sports to divide. Okay? All right. Sorry about that. I don't like uh, saying those things. If I had no choice. Okanok, your questions. Elijah, 21. In a place called Cedro Woolley, Washington, S-E-D-R-O-W-O-O-L-L-E-Y. I'm not familiar with Cedro Woolley. Hi, Dennis. I am a conservative atheist. Do you think religion is a necessary component of conservatism? What would be the best secular argument against abortion? Those are obviously two different questions. So, so first of all, Yes. Um, uh, the American understanding of conservatism, which is, I think, the best understanding, because it's been tried for 200 plus years, is America has a trinity, three basic beliefs. It's on every coin. And they are liberty, in God we trust, e pluribus unum. In God we trust is one of them, because the founders of the United States, though they were not by any means all 
normative Christians. In other words, they, they didn't all believe in the Christian trinity. I fully acknowledge that. But they all knew that the God of the Bible, the moral God of the Ten Commandments, if you will, was necessary, a necessary component of American liberty. People are not basically good. The founders of America understood this. So they will either feel accountable for their behavior to God or government. And they preferred God because they wanted a small government. In a nutshell. So yes, it is. The American experiment will not succeed with atheism. There are wonderful conservative atheists like you, undoubtedly. But it, it, it won't succeed. It just... Uh, you... So you could be an atheist, but acknowledge how important Judeo-Christian values are. The Bible is, God is, to the American experiment. What's the best secular argument against abortion? Actually, ironically, the best argument against abortion is secular. That's the irony. Science is the best argument. Because the more we know, the more we know how early the baby is formed. Plus, I, I, I have a very, my arguments are not, my arguments with regard to the morality of abortion are not even religious. They are secular. Watch my video. It's so five minutes. It's all I ask from you. On, on uh, I don't remember the title, but it might have been the morality of abortion. But I, I said at the beginning, I'm not discussing legality, just morality. I, and all I used was common sense. You could be an atheist. Here is the here is the question. That which the woman is carrying, once uh, she has had intercourse, and or even artificially inseminated, but once the the sperm has punctured the egg, and something is produced, what is the something? Is it a pimple? Is it a, uh, is it a growth? <laughs> what is it? What would you call it? So you, you want to call it a fetus? Okay, call it a fetus. Here's a very simple question on that. Is there any woman that who is pregnant, who wants to keep her child, who wants to give birth, who was ever asked, Hey, great to see you. You know, let's give her a name. What give give me a current female name? Eden. Sorry? Eden. Eden? Yeah. All right. Hey, Eden. How's the fetus? Anybody ever asked that? Not one in history. How's your fetus doing? Is your fetus a boy or a girl? What are you gonna name the fetus? Right? Why not? Because as soon as we know that the woman wants it, we call it a baby. We call it a fetus so as to enable her to get rid of it. But again, a little honesty here. I'm not giving you a religious argument. I'm giving you a right. What is it? What is produced? And uh, if there is absolutely uh, no medical reason to kill it, 
what is the justification? Because, oh, we're told woman can do what she wants with her own body. I, I, I totally agree with that. A woman can do what she wants with her own body. But, a, but the, this baby or fetus is not her body. It's in her body. It's, so it's a, the line a woman could do what she wants with her own body is another fraudulent line. No one denies that a woman can do what she wants with her own body. You want to get a tattoo? Get a tattoo. You want 20 tattoos? Get 20 tattoos. You want to get uh, a, a breast implant? Get a breast implant. You want to get a nose job? Get a nose job. You, you, you want Whatever you want to do with your body, do with your body. No, the only people who, in my lifetime, who have stopped women from doing what they want to do with their own body are the feminists who made up this nonsense about silicone breast implants causing diseases. And so they, they, they forcibly uh, prevented such implants, even when women wanted them. But the, the, the fetus slash baby is not her body. It's in her body. All the arguments, obviously there are religious arguments, but, but you don't need any of them. Okadoke. Alexandru, 22 in Romania. Hi, had a great time, great time in Romania, speaking to 1,500 people in Cluj and Bucharest, thanks to their watching PragerU videos. Hi, Mr. Prager. Hi. What is the sense of the Hebrew word Sheol, which was translated into Greek as Hades? No one really knows what Sheol means, and I know biblical Hebrew real well. Sheol just means it's the place to which the dead go, uh, but we don't know any more really about it. It's, it's Scholars are divided on what it, on what it means. What what is more clear is the the wording used for at least uh, six, uh, I think six of the biblical figures. When they die, it says, and they were gathered to their their people or their their nation uh, or their kin. In other words, when we die, we 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 go on. There is an afterlife. Casey, 39, Amarillo, Texas. I often hear Christians speak of a relationship with God. I don't necessarily feel this. What is your position on this? Well, this is a tough one. My relationship to God, and I deeply believe in God, is not going to satisfy a lot of, of you watching. Maybe it will. I shouldn't even say that. Maybe it will. I have... Uh, my relationship with God is very basic. My biggest concern is what does God want from me, not what do I want from God. So I... I don't ask God for almost anything. That's not the nature of my relationship. My relationship is very respectful, and I I admit, I wrote an essay. 
There's a book of mine I think a lot of you would love. I don't uh, push my books much, uh, but and I'm not pushing it. I'm just telling you. I have a book of essays, 44 essays on 44 subjects. It's in paperback. It's called Think a Second Time. If you want to know what I think about a lot of subjects, it's a good book. And one of them is titled, I think, The Most Difficult Law in the Torah, or The Most Difficult Law in the Bible. I don't which the Torah, the first five books, and that's where all the laws are. So that's where I, why I might have written that. And here is my theory. The most difficult law to observe is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Given how much suffering there is in the world, I think that loving God is a challenge. There are people I know who love God, and I sort of envy them. My dad loved God. My dad spoke to God every night of his life, including three years in the Navy, when he could have lost his life on any given day. He was in the Pacific. But uh, he, he loved God. That was not passed on to his son. I can't speak for my brother. Maybe my brother does. There are two of us. So this is difficult for me to say because I, I, I wish I could give you a more positive answer. But on the other hand, it might help you. Because I lead a religious life. I go to synagogue in my case because I'm a religious Jew. I go every week. I... I, I, I study Bible regularly. I've been teaching it my whole life. My biggest work is my five-volume commentary on the first five books. Exodus is out. Genesis is coming out in a few months. So I love this, this stuff. But God and I have a respectful relationship more than an intimate one. And I guess that's the best I could answer. Is that okay? Right. I try to do his work. Let's put it that way. Oh, uh oh. Let's see if I can get it back. I did. Ho Van Tuan, 21 in Saigon, Vietnam. I do believe in God, but have no religion. Should I go to church every week or just stay home and read the Bible? I think that I answered this either from you or from someone else. So, I, I, in fact, I'm sure I did, but it might not have been you who asked it, but it would be odd because the language was very similar. But be that as it may, so you could either catch it in the previous uh, fireside chat, or I'll, I'll just say in a nutshell, uh, I think that you should go to church in your case, or synagogue in a Jew's case, or whatever it might be. I think it's important to be with other people who are uh, who are also God-centered. We we need other people in our lives. You'll probably find some fine people there. You don't have to agree with them on everything theologically. There are many many reasons to go to church or synagogue. Not all of them are purely religious reasons. 
Many are just human reasons, if you will. To, to, to share this, to share whatever it is you have in common, and you do have, obviously, in common, you believe in God at the very least, and you want to study Bible. Why would you want to study it just on your own? <coughs> it's much more fun to study it with people. Sharon, 65, Foothills, California. There's no place, Foothills, California. That's what she wrote? Foothills? I don't think there's a city, Foothills. Anyway, I'm, I'm not giving you a hard time, Sharon. Uh, how did our society get to the point of vilifying those who don't agree with us? Why do voices have to be raised on every issue? Why do people cut off ties with friends and family over political ideas? Well, to answer you, you have to be specific. It's the left that does that. I don't know anybody who stopped speaking to a parent because they voted for Hillary Clinton. But I... Believe me, the, the, it's probably immeasurable the number of people who've cut ties with people who have voted, who voted for Donald Trump. The New York Times, the uh, two weeks, two weeks after the 2016 election, front page article on how many people were not going to go to Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner because their relative voted for Trump. They admitted it. It was almost all one direction. And it's the vilifying is almost all one direction. Six herbs, sexist, intolerant, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, racist, bigoted. They're all terms the left use to dismiss people they differ with. And I'll tell you why. Because they don't have arguments. All they have is vilification. People who have arguments argue. People who don't have arguments vilify. Next. Uh, okay, let's see here. All right. Okay. Um, how much time have we uh, have we been on? Oh, it's already thirty-five minutes. All right. So I'll I'll do one more here. Uh, can I can I can I Dennis please talk about how this month is PragerU fundraising month? Well, it is, because it's my birthday, August. August 2nd is my birthday. And so we just decided to make August fundraising month. The only reason we could do what we do is because people donate. That's it. There is no other reason. It's all free. We will have a billion views this year. A billion. All over the world. As evidenced by my speaking in Romania this past summer. So please help us, because we're, we're fighting a good fight. We don't scream. We don't vilify. See if there's one vilification in one of our 325 or so videos. We don't. Don't yell. We're trying to make the case for, for goodness, for the American experiment, because we think it could be universally applied. For God's existence, for the belief that God wants us to be good. I mean, this is not exactly uh, crazy stuff. We have four Pulitzer Prize winners who've given courses. Professors at some of the most prestigious universities in the world. 
We have uh, three former prime ministers who have given uh, videos. We're pretty, uh, we're pretty serious. We, we want, though, to present ideas that very few young people here at college or high school, anywhere in the world, we do a pretty good job, so your help would be a big deal. And for you Americans, no, it's tax deductible. Okay, guys, are we good? It's always a joy to be with you. Happy to hear from you. And thanks for watching. From my home to yours, I'm Dennis Prager.